Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me are Kendra Mauer and Morgana. Tonight we're welcoming Amanda Woomer. She is the originator of the website Spook Eats, and she also is the editor of a journal called The Feminine Macabre, which I think is a great name. So, hello, good to see you. Hello, thank you for having me. We're very excited. <laughs> we are very, very excited. So Morgana, you've written down things to ask. So you get to I have. <laughs> you did your homework. Um, <laughs> it's all part of being back in school. The homework never stops. Um, so first, I wanted to ask how you got onto Ghost Travel Agency basically like obviously you love food and drink and spooky stuff i just how did you decide to combine all three of those things into one wonderful blog so basically i first had my very first paranormal experience when i was a little kid and um so that kind of set me on the weird path very early on and i was interested in the paranormal really since then I was seven years old when I had that experience. And when I was uh, about 14 years old, that's when the shows like ghost hunters started coming out and it was kind of like the paranormal exploded and suddenly there were ghost tours and ghost hunts. And, you know, my parents were taking us to Gettysburg and Salem for family vacations. And it was just a really innocent curiosity for me. Um, just kind of, you know, going on investigations and, doing the ghost hunts and, you know, trying to get those EVPs. And it was a really innocent curiosity for me. I was just really inquisitive about it, curious to know more. And I, you know, went to so many places. Obviously, I said Gettysburg and Salem. Um, I met Robert the Doll down in Key West. Um, so, like, we traveled to many, many places over the years with those strange and unusual ties. And it was actually in 2015 that the curiosity kind of transformed into a passion for me. And I went more so from paranormal investigator to more so paranormal researcher. Um, in 2015, my little brother passed away after a battle with pediatric cancer. And that was the turning point for me, for sure, where I didn't just want to learn about these places or learn about these theories and these ideas, but I needed to. Um, you know, I always joke saying some people start going to church after they lose a loved one. I started going to haunted places. Uh, that's just how I was grieving. That's that is that was my grieving process. And it still is my grieving process. Um, mm -hmm. 
But I found while I was looking at places to visit and to really kind of sink my teeth into the paranormal and start researching more, that a lot of the places that I was so familiar with from TV shows were really difficult to access for your average everyday person. Um, you know, I didn't have a team. I wasn't famous at all. I didn't have money. And so these places were really difficult to access. So that's when I kind of turned to the haunted hospitality the restaurants, the bars, the hotels, mm -hmm. these places are already open to the general public. They want you to come and visit them. And a lot of times they have just as much history as the doom and gloom places that you'll see on TV, if not even more history. You know, some of them are even older and these places are just as haunted. And I found that they're infinitely more enjoyable to go visit. They have heat. They have electricity. They have bathrooms, just to name a few <laughs> things, <laughs> um, you know, and not to mention food and drink. So I really started looking at these haunted locations that are already open to the general public. And in theory, for the price of a pint of beer or an appetizer, or if you're particularly brave, a room um, overnight, you could potentially have a paranormal experience for yourself. So that was really what kind of set me on the path for spooky. It's focusing on that haunted hospitality. Um, you know, I feel like so many times people watch ghost hunting shows and they think, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, you can. It's so much easier than people think. And mm -hmm. places are so much more accessible than you think. The places that people think of are the old asylums, the old hospitals, the orphanages, the jails. Those are difficult to access sometimes. But the bars, the hotels, the cafes, the B&Bs in your hometown, um, they have just as much history and just as many ghost stories as the places you'll see on TV. So the whole point of Spook Eats was really to encourage people to turn off their TVs, get up off the couch and go outside your door and explore the paranormal for yourself um, because it's a very personal journey and you'll come to some really interesting conclusions. You know, I can't be the only person that's ever lost a loved one and then questioned what came next. So my hope with Spook Eats is to be a, a kind of a guide or a roadmap of sorts for people to come to their own conclusions about what they think, you know, lies beyond the last breath that we take. And you've written a couple books too, um, which I thought was cool. I love the double entendre of the spirit, the spirit guide, America's haunted breweries, distilleries, and wineries. Um, I adore that. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think they're more haunted than other places? Or do you just think that people open breweries, wineries, and distilleries in places that are old and already there? And then that just is why it, or do you think ghosts might actually be attracted to breweries i think it's a little bit of both i think you know so many times you read the history of distilleries and breweries especially those two not so much wineries i feel like that's like a newer development um but definitely distilleries especially in the south and breweries they have very long histories um, you know, a lot of these locations have been in the same building since the beginning. They've been around for, you know, 100 years, 150 years. Um, so for that, I would say that these places are just so old in their history that why not? Why wouldn't it be haunted? But then you also look at the history of alcohol, you know, in our country and you had prohibition. You had, you know, moonshiners and um 
you know, bootleggers and uh, gangsters, you know, so you have a very tumultuous history when it comes to alcohol, especially in the 20th century. Um, and, you know, murders went hand in hand with the bootlegging industry. And so I think that also has, um, you know, a, a, a hand to play in it. And a lot of the locations, especially in the Spirit Guide, America's Haunted Breweries, Distilleries and Wineries book, a lot of them have um, connections to running water, um, especially like underground rivers um, or limestone caves. And those two things especially have been connected with heightened paranormal activity. So it could be just a perfect storm is brewing in these locations. Um, but I do think it has a lot to do with the history of the location as well as the history of alcohol. Um, you know, and a lot of times, especially with bars, you know, you have things like brothels and bordellos that are also connected with it and gambling halls and saloons. And so it's this kind of rough and tough part of American history that is preserved in a way in these haunted locations because we're telling these stories. And a lot of the ghosts there are, you know, former prostitutes or a bootlegger that was shot and you know and was murdered there so we're still telling their stories and we're still saying their names so in a way we're giving them eternal life um so i always think that's really interesting that's actually the next book i'm working on right now um so i could talk all night about that but i will stop mm -hmm. before i uh, <laughs> make it a three-hour conversation <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember some of the first ghost stories, true ghost stories that I read as a kid. A lot of them happened in restaurants, pubs, bars. Um, there was Hotels. some in the Pacific Northwest and, and Seattle and in San Francisco where there were tunnels underneath and they used to Shanghai people. And, you know, those places are haunted. And I so when I saw that, you know, you were talking about haunted restaurants, I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know, and it actually, it makes sense too, especially if you're looking at bars and, and restaurants and hotels, because I think a buzzword nowadays in the paranormal is liminal spaces. And mm -hmm. those places are liminal spaces. People are constantly coming and going. I mean, if you look at a bar that's been around for 150, 200 years, I can't even fathom the number of people that have stepped foot over the threshold, that have been celebrating things or brawls, you know, breaking out, you know, possible murders, possible suicides. Um, so the history is just so, so deep and rich. And then you even look at these locations as liminal spaces for individuals where maybe someone is coming and they're pretending to be someone that they're not. So they're someone else for those few hours that they're at this bar or they're meeting someone at this hotel. So like physically, it's a liminal space where people are coming and going. But then also personally, each individual could be experiencing a liminal space within themselves as they are giving a fake name or a fake age or completely, you know, fabricated persona. Um, so it's really fascinating. Um, and I think that it's just kind of starting to be acknowledged in the paranormal community that it's not just the jails and the hospitals and the creepy places right. that are haunted. Um, you know, my argument is always, you know, of course, 
great sadness can cause a haunting trauma and heartache and pain, but so can happiness and joy and celebrations. You know, it creates just as much energy and it could create just as potent a haunting. And it's a very different type of haunting that you're experiencing. Um, And in my opinion, it's a more enjoyable space to experience all around because you're not dealing with, you know, if you're at a jail, you're dealing with a certain type of person that might not be the friendliest or the most warm to, you know, to, to talk with. Whereas if you're at a bar, it might be a little bit more fun. Um, So I've had a great time really investigating the history of these locations and the ghost stories, because there's a lot of similarities. um, And a lot of these locations are doing a beautiful job at preserving their history, but also sharing their ghost stories because you, they go hand in hand so beautifully. And I feel like the places that, cut off that part of their story by not acknowledging ghost stories and hauntings and folklore. It's cutting off a piece of their identity um, and it doesn't offer a well-rounded view. So the places that do acknowledge it and celebrate it, um, I I will always darken their door every day because I just, I, I eat that stuff up, pun intended. <laughs> nice. I think it makes a lot of sense that restaurants and bars and hotels would be haunted because as you say they are a liminal space and there's a ton of energy that's been put into them by so many different types of people for so long um and i also think i think you're right i think energy doesn't have to just be like the energy of sadness or anger to make a haunting that doesn't make sense an emotional charge is an emotional charge Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm slightly biased because there may or may not be a ghost in my restaurant that I work at. <laughs> and I've worked in in haunted places too. So yeah, it, Theater. it is not unknown, especially among kitchen <clears throat> workers to have the kitchen ghost um, and servers know about, you know, then there's the dining room ghosts, you know, so that, that happens. Um, and there's a song. I don't know if you know this song. It's by a band called Concrete Blonde, and it's called The Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man. And it is about a haunted hotel down in, I believe, Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. But it tells the story that um, Johnette Napolitano had. She had an experience there with a ghost when she was staying in the hotel. And so she wrote this really awesome song about you know trying to get out of the shower and then there's there's that cowboy there <laughs> and she she was very shocked but it's a really cute song and it's 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 a fun song so and that's she, like a nice uh, breath of fresh air where like a cowboy ghost it's not like a stuffy dusty victorian ghost they're always victorians right? Right. It's a cowboy. <laughs> how exciting yes yes <laughs> i don't know why it's always victorians I I don't know. I th- there was one location that I investigated for one of my books that they said they had the ghost of a hippie. And I was like, "What? Can you describe him?" And they were like, "He had like a, a leopard print open the shirts to show his chest and like bell bottoms and platform shoes and I was just eating it up wow. because I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever heard of like a groovy ghost before. This is so cool." <laughs> Pretty awesome. I like that. I like that. There need to be more groovy ghosts. 
Agreed. Or not. I don't want necessarily mean more groovy people need to die to become ghosts. Just diversity in the ghost community <laughs> would be really more interesting than just Victorians. Diversity in the ghost community. Well. <laughs> I like that. So yeah. I actually lived in a former, used to be a bordello. It was not when I lived there, but it was haunted. And the third floor, there was something that dogs, they would go either stop at the door or there was one room they would always growl and bark at and then not go near it. But that was in the pits of St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting time. They, Yeah. <laughs> I too also grew up in a house that was a former bordello. Didn't know oh, it cool. at the time. I was like only like three or four when we lived there. Mm -hmm. But I remember there was like a teeny tiny closet that <laughs> they said like, oh yeah, that was yes. one of the cribs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not mm -hmm. a crib. Like what? And then like in hindsight, I'm like, oh no, like I like, yes, I understand now. And yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a former bordello. So yep. in good old mm -hmm. Tonawanda, New York. Woo. <laughs> Not St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. If if you think about uh, beer drinking ghosts, they'd be maybe jollier than, you know, ghosts in uh, churches or, you know, old houses, you know, sort of stayed grandma ghosts. But, you know, partier ghosts might be a little more fun and funny. and Life and times of the well-fed ghost. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to be a book title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For real. I do know that one of the places I worked, stuff moved around in the, uh, the walk-in. Like, you know, we thought that somebody was, was just doing it to, to mess with people. But, you know, stuff started being thrown on the floor and none of the cooks would do that. That was, you know, that's wasting food and it's driving up your food cost. And, and more importantly, you have to clean it up. And you have to clean it up. And cleaning walk-ins sucks. So, yeah, we were all like, nobody is doing that, you know. And even the ser everybody was like looking at the servers like, you're doing that, aren't you? You're trying to get us in trouble, you know? And, and it wasn't that it was, you know, eventually one of the oldest cooks said, ah, oh, it's just probably Al. And we were like, who's Al? And he was like, it's the ghost. I was like, is his name really Al? And he's like, I don't know. We named him Al. He's like, he, he must be angry. He's like, just leave some food out for him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> don't ask like, questions. Leave, yeah. leave, a, leave a half a glass of wine and a, and a little some bread out and he'll stop okay make him a well-fed ghost yep well did it work ghost. it did calm down after after al had a half glass of wine and and you know the the owner came in one one night and was like who's drinking wine in the kitchen during hours you know you're supposed to do that after and and somebody said oh it's just for al and he was like oh well, that's all right then. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so he, he was he was fine with with Al. We haven't named the ghost at my restaurant yet. We just call it the name of the restaurant ghost. Um, 
And it's it started acting up again. It would move chairs in the dining room, like it would pull out chairs. Um, and it would move stuff in the kitchen. And I saw it once as a black silhouette, like by the front door. Like I looked up while I was prep doing morning prep shift, and there was just this giant tall black shadow silhouette. And I very quickly was like, I'm gonna have a cigarette right now. <laughs> <laughs> and like bolted outside. <laughs> Um, and then after, after that, I was really nervous and would like keep my steel, like my sharpening steel and my apron string just in case. I don't know what I thought I was going to do. What am I going to do? Hit a ghost. But I stopped being scared of it because again, morning prep shift, I was making baked Alaskas and I needed a fish box to put the baked Alaskas in to freeze the ice cream on top of the cake. And they were up on a shelf that I'm very short and it was, this was a shelf for very tall people and I couldn't reach. And I said aloud, oh my God, I don't want to have to go jump and get one of these. And five seconds after I said it, I heard a thump and I went around the corner to the um, dish area and the thing I needed had fallen, had lifted up off of a stack of itself flipped over and landed bottom down so I could actually still use it. And I was like, okay, we're cool. You're a nice ghost. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I'm going to stop being worried about you. You're helping the short person now. This is cool. Um, and ever since then, it's mostly the prep cooks that see it or inter interact with it. Um, the servers will sometimes see it. But mostly it's the morning prep shift. And I don't know what it is about morning prep unless it was a morning prep guy. Or if the place used to be a bus station, you know, maybe it was a passenger who just didn't make it onto his bus one morning or their bus one morning or what it is. But there's there's a weird little helpful ghost in my restaurant. <laughs> so... Out of curiosity, how do you find the places that you add to your book? Is it generated by you contact them? Is there some kind of, how do you find these places? So it's kind of a mix of personal research where I just kind of do a search of an area and then I'll reach out to places that are it, like to see if they're interested. Um, I also have people who send me suggestions of places that they've been to or places that they know the owners. Um, so it's always fun, especially when people suggest it to me, because then I know it's good because, right. I mean, a, a good old fashioned Google search can only take you so far. I've been to some not great places based <laughs> off of Google searches. Um, but every time someone has suggested something, um, it's been great. So um, I always prefer those to uh, <laughs> me trying to find a place. Um, and I'm hoping to eventually expand on the Spirit Guide series. Um, I wrote the breweries, distilleries, and wineries last year during the middle of the pandemic. It was right at the beginning of you know lockdown. And I was looking for a project. I was pregnant. So I don't know why I chose alcohol because uh, <laughs> apparently I'm a glutton for punishment. I was so thirsty the whole time writing this. <laughs> um, but it was great to really be able to work with all of these locations. And, you know, I, I, cause I promoted it to them as this is a chance to just advertise for free. You're not paying to be in mm -hmm. this, you know, and then you can, you know, buy copies and put them in your gift shops. And a lot of places did that. So I'm really hoping to be able to do that in the future with, you know, 
you know, bars and then restaurants and hotels and B&Bs, things like that. So it, eventually I'll get back into the Spirit Guide series. Um, but I have too many things that I'm working on right now. So that's the problem with not enough time in the world to to work on all your stuff. Especially with a new one. Oh, uh, yeah, that's been that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> that's been that's been a, a, a rude awakening. I haven't yeah. written a book since my little man has been born over mm -hmm. a year ago now. I've done the feminine macabre since then, but I didn't write this. I'm just mm -hmm. editing it. So it's been it's been hard because I love writing. I love writing books. Um, and it's been this really strange juggling act of trying to figure out, like, how do I maintain an online presence of sorts? while also being a good parent and not like being on your phone while your kid's awake. So mm -hmm. I've had to kind of step back and decide like, all right, I'm not a content creator anymore. I used to do, you know, blogs and little videos and trying out the TikTok, even though I'm way too old for that. <laughs> oh, um, no, you're not. TikTok's awesome. It's I for everybody. Feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the geriatric unit, like trying to figure stuff out. But <laughs> I've like, I've really had to take a step back with, with content creation and just decide that I like writing books. I like working on books. So that's what I'm going to do from here on out. If an occasional blog post gets posted once in a while, cool. But I'm not mm -hmm. going to have to do it every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like I was doing a year ago. Cause it's just not, it's just not possible with a baby. And it's been great yeah. being able to connect with other women who have kids because it's able to, it, it allows me to see how they do it and kind of, you know, maybe model after them a little bit and see how they balance <laughs> things. And <laughs> we drink and cry in the shower a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, it was so funny today. I was brushing my hair after I did a whole weekend of ghost tours. And I was like, people are like, Oh, you're the spooky. I didn't know you would be here. So it was a total ego boost. I was like, yeah, this mm -hmm. is awesome. And as I'm like undoing my hair from all the tours, I find like, a Gerber puff in my hair from I don't know when. Like, How old is this? And I'm like picking it out of my hair and I'm like, oh yeah, it's the Spookies. She's got baby food in her yeah. hair. Yeah. So, so it was, it brought me right back down to earth That's really so quick. <laughs> so life is about balance. Yes. Well, and on the good side, you've done all that branding and setting up who you are and getting your name out there so at least you can step back and not have to worry about like just introducing yourself to the world because you have your introduction and now they're at a point of discovery for you yeah that's true so, that's true makes me feel yeah. a little bit better yeah <laughs> but the, the puff is still traumatizing though <laughs> <laughs> that's always gonna be traumatizing yeah hey but you didn't cut all your hair off most moms most moms cut uh, yet like <laughs> I was like, it was a rat's nest around a puff. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this out of here? And it was like, I look like a monkey trying to like pick it out of my hair. <laughs> anyway, this has nothing to do with ghost hunting, but <laughs> it's a uh, life as a paranormal mom. <laughs> I like that. Why don't you talk a little bit about the feminine macabre? Because you mentioned it and we're right here. So you might as well talk about sure. that. So the Feminine Macabre is a new all-female and non-binary paranormal journal. And basically, it, the seed for it was planted in my brain back in about February 2020. 
So it was over a year ago now. And I was doing a radio show over on Paranormal Buzz Radio. And we were talking about women in the paranormal, historically speaking. Um, so I was giving like a little talk on women like Catherine Crow, Eleanor Sidgwick, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, even Lorraine Warren. I know she's a contested figure in the field right now, but we included her. And aside from Lorraine Warren, nobody knew who I was talking about. I noticed this very quickly. Um, and I am a firm believer that the only reason why people know Lorraine Warren is because of the Conjuring series. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a shame, but I just think that's just, that's the truth of the matter. Um, so it got me thinking, why is it that women have been part of the paranormal from the beginning? The very first ghost hunter, quote unquote, as we know it, was Catherine Crow back in the 1850s in Edinburgh, Scotland. People don't know about her because of Charles Dickens, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole yeah, other nope. day. <laughs> so, but um, so it just got me thinking, you know, why, why is it that women are just kind of forgotten or overshadowed by the work of their husbands or their male counterparts? And even in modern times, you're looking at reality TV shows. You have all of these shows with all male groups, but not a single all female group television show. Um, and whenever there is a leading lady on a paranormal show, she's always countered by a man. Um, you know, Amy Bruni has Adam Barry, um, you know, and it's every show has that, um, you know, Katrina has Jack and so on and so forth. So that's when I decided that I wanted to create a space where women could come together and share their research, share their theories. Um, and I, I look at it as it's not giving women a voice because women have a voice and they've always had their voices. It's just a megaphone to make it louder. Um, so basically the Feminine Macabre, um, it's a biannual publication. Um, we have two volumes out now and it is a place for researchers, writers in the occult, paranormal, metaphysical, on all topics, not just hauntings and ghost stories, but cryptids, tarot, witchcraft, um, folklore, death culture, um, dark history, murder mysteries, just weird history, um, anything strange and unusual. Um, you know, people can write about it and share their passion. And it's been a wonderful opportunity to create a community of women supporting women. And a lot of people, not a lot of people, a few people said, you know, why do you hate men? Why does it have to be male versus female? To which I say, it's not male versus female. This is not a competition. This is just, men have always been in the spotlight. Let's just turn that spotlight a little bit this way to shine it on the ladies that are working just as hard with just as much integrity as the men. Um, it's overall, it's had great feedback. Um, you know, and I always say it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're black or white, if you're gay or straight, there is something in the feminine macabre for everyone. And my hope with it is that people will read it and be able to walk away having learned something new or figured out a way to look at a topic in a different way. Um, you know, and we've had writers from all over the world. Um, we've had women from Denmark, Australia, Ireland, the UK, Canada, America, um, and from all different walks of life, young and old, um, different ethnicities, different sexual orientations. And it's just been a great place for people to come together. Um, 
So um, we have submissions opening up for volume three, um, and they are going to be open until October 1st, um, from October 1st to January 1st. So it's a huge window for people because I, too, am a writer. So I understand when submissions are like two weeks and you panic. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a nice big open window. And um, we're hoping to... Um, you know, branch out even more. We just opened it up this last time to artists as well as those who identify as non-binary. Um, so we're hoping to grow that um, section of the journal. Um, it's a totally hard copy. It's not digital at all. That's one thing that people always ask, you know, is it available online or is it an actual book? And my biggest thing is when I was first starting out as a writer, the very first anthology I was published in and I actually held the physical book in my hands. It was a turning point for me, not to sound like melodramatic and say that it changed my life, but it made me realize that I could do this. Maybe I can be a writer. I can be an author. And since then, I've written a bunch of books. And so my hope with this is that that does the exact same thing to someone else, that maybe someone who's never written anything before or has never been published before, this is their first opportunity and is really kind of that kicking the behind that they need to kind of really focus on their writing and and start a little career with it. Um, so I always encourage people like you don't have to be a paranormal investigator. That's like the new thing I've learned that people think that like you have to be in the field researching. It's not true at all. Um, you don't need to be previously published and you don't need to be a paranormal investigator. So I say no previous experience is necessary. Um, if you have a passion about a topic or you're just interested in a topic and you research it and write something about it, that's all we want. I always say it's Feminine Macabre 101. It's a class. You have to write an essay for it. Yay, Morgana is thrilled. Like, yay, more research. <laughs> I like writing essays. <laughs> but I'm I just, a nerd. I, I really love the community that it's created. And it's connected me with so many amazing people. Um, so I'm hoping that we can continue it for a few years now. Um, but we've got the two volumes out now. Volume one had a forward by Patty Negri, um, who she's been on Ghost Adventures. She's the psychic medium that they use most of the time. Um, and she's also a witch. And then volume two had Michelle Bellinger, who I'm a huge fan of Michelle Bellinger's. Um, so I was a very big fan and uh, thrilled when she said yes um, to writing our forward. Um, so anyway, again, I could talk all night. It could be a three hour monologue on just the feminine macabre, but that's just a a little bit about its history and hopefully where it's going in the future. That is awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> and I it's love that we need. Yeah, it is something we need. And I love that you're like hoping to inspire everybody who writes for it to like continue a writing career. Like that's just awesome and such yeah. community building and very like giving and beyond just I want to have an anthology happen. You're like, I want to have an anthology happen that then makes all of you inspired in yourselves. Yeah, because these women have such amazing voices and uh, such interesting points of view. And it's just, I mean, obviously I think they're good because I, I put them in the journal, but like mm -hmm. some of them, I don't think they realize how good they actually are where some of them said like, oh, I almost didn't submit anything. I was so nervous. I was ready to throw up when I, when I clicked send. Uh -huh. And I said, it's always the ones that are like really, really good. Those are the ones that are ridiculously humble. Um, so I just really want to encourage anyone who's thinking about sending in a submission or hemming and hawing, you know, I'm not really sure. 
I'm the only person that reads them. So that's another thing that caused anxiety in people. If it was like a bunch of people, I'm the only person that reads it until it's published. Um, you know, and I want you to succeed. I, you know, I, I want you to be able to be published and have your name on the cover of a book because again, to sound cheesy, it changed my life, you know? So I want that to be the same for someone else. Um, you know, and we say that the feminine macabre is a little coven. We used to say family, but then coven just sounded cooler. Um, you know, it's this little coven of these women that have all kind of connected with each other. And I'll be like, you know, creeping in the shadows of social media and seeing them like collaborating together or commenting on each other's things. And it is kind of cool where it's like, the feminine macabre brought them together. Like, would they have eventually found each other? Probably because they're cool and they have similar interests. But to know that it was the feminine macabre that was like the, the glue that bound them together. I just, I think it's cool. I'm like a proud mom for like, for some reason. But anyway, I love the feminine macabre. I love the little community that it's built. You should be a proud mom. That's <laughs> That's a cool intellectual child right there. Yeah. And I love the, the play on words. It's not the feminine mystique, but the feminine macabre. Thanks. Betty for dinner somewhere, wherever she is, is very happy. <laughs> Thank <I'm> you. Very <laughs> I'm terrible at coming up with titles. Like the whole like, oh, I love the spirit guide. Ha ha. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> I'm so bad at coming up with titles. Like I'm it's like a joke in my family where my husband will be like, Amanda, this is awful. You need to rethink this. This is really bad. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not good with titles, but the feminine macabre, I came up with it and it was exactly, it was a play on the feminine mystique. And I'm so happy that you caught that because people are always like, where did that come from? And I was like, well, it's like the feminine mystique, you know, but the feminine macabre. People are like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> so they're probably thank going, you. okay, because they have no clue. I know. It's you know. it's fine, whatever. <laughs> the women studies people understand and love you, and yes. and us old ladies over here know and love what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, nobody. I I. I guess some people still read the feminine mystique for not school purposes, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of that anymore. I, I don't know. Kids these days. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Kids in their TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You should do a TikTok, Kendra, and put the feminine mystique up there. I love TikTok so much. I know you do. This should be sponsored by TikTok right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so you said that you just got back from a ghost hunt. Can you, how do you, how do you go through and do ghost hunts and research? Cause I know everybody has their own style. Yeah. So I actually, the last, this time of year is absolute insanity for me. So this past weekend, we did a bunch of ghost tours at a local theater. The weekend before I was at an actual ghost hunt paranormal investigation at Madison Seminary in Ohio. Um, and it was interesting because it was my first time doing ghost tours for people um, this past mm -hmm. weekend. So huh, I went in blind. Wasn't exactly sure what I was doing. Um in regards to ghost hunts in general, um, 
I, I think I'm much simpler than other people. Um, I'm not sensitive in any way, shape or form. You know, I'm not intuitive or anything like that. I'm not psychic medium. Um, people always ask that. I think it, hoping that I say yes, but I always say I'm as sensitive as a rock. I don't pick up on anything. <laughs> um, so because of that, I don't feel like I really have to prepare because I have some friends who they are the empaths. They are the sensitive ones. So they really have to kind of build up their protection and really prepare. And I'm kind of like, I'm charging the batteries to my digital recorder. (laughs) That's the extent of my preparation. And I do, I love researching locations. Um, I always like going in knowing the history, not necessarily the ghost stories, but I want to at least know the history of the place. Um, Some people like going in blind. I I get that. I, I do get that approach. But for me, I really like knowing the history of the place. It could just be because I'm a history nerd and I eat that stuff up. Or it could have something to do with, I think it does lead to a more well-rounded investigation. Um, but at the end of the night, I always, um, you know, after an investigation, I do always do like a little like, thanks for having me. It's been great. Don't follow me home. Um, I don't really think that things follow people home as much as TV makes it seem like, um, my, my feeling is always, you know, this particular entity is in this location for a reason and they've been here for a very long time. Why do they want to follow you home to your nasty apartment? But (laughs) that's just my personal opinion. Um, but just to be on the safe side, I do have like my little like pouch that I have like protection herbs. I have like a Palo Santo piece of wood and some crystals just to be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. Never want to. It's, it's always wanna... good to hedge your bets. And it's it's I, I always like I just want to make sure I always say I like going to haunted locations. I don't want to live in one. No, thank you. Um yeah. So but with the ghost tour that I just did over this past weekend, it was a very different um, approach because in a way I was having to entertain people, which is something I've never had to do with a paranormal investigation. Like I've hosted public ghost hunts before, but that's always been for fellow ghost hunters. Um, so I don't have to convince them of anything. They're here. They believe they, you know, they want to find, you know, proof and evidence. Um, but this was a group, um, the ages were 10 and up. So I was working with children. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, it was very interesting. We did it three parts. We had a performance because it was at a theater. So we had the ghosts quote unquote, um, tell their own stories. Um, in a small performance. And then we did a tour. And in the middle of all that, we did a little ghost hunt. Um, So that was interesting having to like explain the equipment and the theories behind things, because I've taken it for granted for uh, since 2004. So just a few years now. Um, So it's been really interesting to see kind of the balance that you have to have when doing ghost tours with novices and people who are just curious as opposed to ghost hunts with people who are more obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> and I think, honestly, I think I like the ghost tour more than I like the ghost hunts. Um, I don't know why, but I think I liked sharing that. I mean, clearly I like to talk. So, <laughs> you know, I like sharing the knowledge and sharing the history of the location. Um, and then, you know, teaching kids how to use pieces of equipment and when things are working and seeing kind of like their 
minds being blown right before my eyes was really fun. Um, so I'm hoping to be able to continue this in the future um, at different locations. Um, right now I have kind of like a home location that I work out of and where a lot of people can have like a wide spectrum of places that they travel to. Since I have a little one at home, I can't travel as much right now. So I've said, instead of going wide, I'm going deep. So I have that one location in my hometown that I'm trying to really deeply connect with it. And it's been awesome so far. Um, so I really encourage anyone who like has a haunted location in their hometown to like meet with the owner, connect with them. If they're open to ghost hunts and this sort of thing, like really try to sink your teeth into it um, because you can do experiments there. You can get to know the energies and the spirits there. And it's just, it's so much more impactful um, to experience a place multiple times over and over and over again than it is just being at a location for five or six hours and then you never return to it ever again. There's not that personal connection. Um, so there I go rambling again. Woo. <laughs> no, the answer is perfect. No, you are perfect. <laughs> it is not rambling. We're all wrapped. <laughs> what kind of equipment do you use? So for me, I uh, am not... Uh, rich. So I can't afford like really nice pieces of equipment. Um, so one of the things I always talk about at ghost hunts is that you don't have to spend a lot of money on equipment. Um, there's some really basic equipment that I like to use that seems to work for other people. So my number one is a digital recorder. Um, I feel like that's almost everyone's answer nowadays. But for me, I am not lucky when it comes to video evidence. I've never captured anything in a photograph. I've never captured anything on camera. So I'm not spending money on full spectrum cameras or night vision cameras because I know it doesn't work for me. Um, I'm very, very lucky when it comes to EVP. Um, I get voices all the time. I get intelligent responses all the time. I was actually doing an interview with the curator of the brothel museum at the red onion saloon up in Alaska. And I happened to be recording it. And in the middle of it, we got an EVP from their brothel, which was really cool. So I'm like, even when I'm not trying, I get a friggin' EVP. Um, so I love digital recorders. Um, back in the day, I used a tape recorder to aid to like date myself right now. Um, <laughs> but um, I also love um, uh, SB seven or the spirit box. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Estes method that if people have seen Kindred Spirits or Hellier, um, that's what that they do that a lot on the show where, you know, you put the headphones in and you put a blindfold on. So you're just deprived of all of your senses and you just listen to the, for these voices in the radio waves. Um, so I love doing that. Um, I've gotten really great results coming from that. Um, so and then the other pieces of equipment I have, you know, I have, you know, a K2 meter EMF detectors. Um, I have a bunch of dousing rods that I use on ghost hunts and ghost tours because they're nice and hands on. I don't know how much stock I put into them because I do think it's very easy to manipulate them without even realizing it. But people love being able to try them out. And they are kind of weird when you get them to work and they're kind of like bug antenna where they're searching the air as it's trying to like find its answer. So I always like to have people really try and experiment with it. Um, but for me personally, digital recorder and the SB7 with a pair of headphones is just my ideal pieces of equipment. You know, I have cat balls that light up for motion detectors because I'm not going to spend $300 on a motion detector, but a cat ball for two bucks. That's absolutely. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. I saw that on your I blog. I love that. 
And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> because it I, makes perfect sense. It's like, why are you spending all of this money on something that you can literally get at the dollar store? Like, Be aware of the kids' toys. Now, once he gets mobile, the kids' toys will set off at weird times. And uh, you're going to be like, why? We had this little caterpillar you couldn't turn off. And occasionally it would just start going along nope. and I'm like <laughs> no <Nope>. great that's <laughs> in the trash we're done yeah <laughs> i don't well, know what you, I don't. <laughs> all you're playing with are bricks now bricks and blocks <laughs> exactly. that's it <laughs> lots of wood and bricks that's it <laughs> i again i was reading your blog like a stalker nope that's what it's there for <laughs> my job to be the stalker but this time I'm to be the um and in one of the, the ghost hunts that you were writing up, you mentioned that you guys set up a portal. And I'm I'm thinking portal to another dimension portal. Is Am I thinking this correctly? No. So basically, okay. yes. You're um, sad this now. is why I had to ask about <laughs> no. this. Because I was like, are we talking magic doorways? Are we talking no. interdimensional portals? Yeah. yeah. Portals are, are only fun when it's like portable. leading you to a fantasy land. Um, so I I hate the name portal. I actually, whenever I host a ghost hunt or these tours that I did recently, I did pull out my portal and I said, now technically these are called portals, but I learn when we're in dark, creepy, haunted places, people don't like the word portal. <laughs> so I call it a spirit radio. That's what I've come to call it. Um, basically, how it works is it's at least the version I have. They sell, again, I'm cheap. So online, they sell for about seven or $800 for a good one. I made mine for about $120. I'm a cheapskate. Um, but basically, you take the SB7 spirit box that um, goes through the radio um, state, I was gonna say channels, radio stations at a fraction of a second. And if you ever played with one or you watch it on TV, you hear the awful like sound yeah. that it makes and it drives you crazy. I hate it. Um, so, what the portal does is you plug that into a noise gate pedal and then you plug that into a reverb pedal. And then you plug it into a speaker. And basically, the noise gate cuts out that awful white noise. And supposedly, only the voices come through. Um, so it makes it easier to potentially hear responses to your questions. So I always say it's kind of like real-time EVP, where you can ask any type of question, not just yes or no. And you could potentially hear a voice come through and answer your question. Um, we've gotten some really cool responses over the years. Um, so I always love using the portal, um, but I always call it a spirit radio because radios are way happier to use than portals. Cause the first time <laughs> I used a portal, I was like, Oh my God, like, are we summoning something? What is going on? I didn't sign up for this. Like I'm going to be dragged <laughs> to hell or something. Um, <laughs> so I always say it's a radio. We're just tuning into radio stations and it's sweeping really quickly and creating white noise and the spirits can use it to talk. We're not opening doorways to anything. So, okay, nice. that's why I was so confused. Yes. I was yes. like, "This is sounding like a tool." Nope, nope. <laughs> this so. word also doesn't necessarily. This word also has more meanings, and I'm just, yes. I just want to check. I don't know? know who named it a portal. Like whoever did, I want to just like slap because it's <laughs> just it gives the wrong connotation and the wrong visual. So, spirit yeah. radio, yeah. spirit radio. 
I like Spirit Radio better. That is yes. much more clear. It just makes more sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. I will now substitute that here. in my mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my husband has a noise gate pedal and a reverb pedal. Yeah, I think he's got 15 reverb pedals, actually. And yes. I know he has speakers. He's a guitarist. Yes. So yes. I'm sitting here going, oh. You can very easily build one of these. So I actually, one of the few TikToks I made was how to make a portal in like a minute. So... Because I really want people, again, there's so much gatekeeping in the paranormal um, yeah. that you have to spend $800 to get one of these from someone who professionally makes it. Or you can just be a total cheapskate like me and figure it out and make it on your own. And it works just as well. And honestly, I take such pride in knowing, like, I made oh, this, yeah. you know, um, and it was so easy. It's so easy. So if anyone's listening that is thinking of buying a portal, please don't. Go to my TikTok and watch my tutorial. There's my cheap TikTok plug. <laughs> and what's your TikTok handle? It's just at Spookeats. Nice and easy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we all write it down. I, <laughs> it doesn't get updated often. However, the, the portal tutorial is on there. <laughs> nice. Excellent. I feel like I'm going to get a call from my mom now in like two days. You got to come over and check this out. <laughs> I totally built the thing. Let's yeah. go play with it. Okay. <laughs> not at the spooky asylum, though. Oh, we're not allowed to go up there. They don't like ghost hunters anymore. I, I, I suggested to Heather Moser to go there, and uh, oh, they Heather. said no. Hmm. They said no. Um, OU, now that they own the ridges, they, the they don't like are, are also... with, with the stuff, you know, they don't like it. They the main building's it. also not in great repair at this point for parts of it, so yeah. I don't necessarily blame them. Yeah, that's part of it. Kendra and I just go in unprepared and use our uh, uh, sensitivities and get headaches. migraines. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> that's our style <laughs> yeah i was i was about to say tell us about some places that have good eats in addition to spooky eats yeah so we're restaurant people so we want to know yes so my favorite 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 place that i've been to for spooky eats. now it's been over a year almost two years gross since I've been able to do anything for Spooky Eats because the whole world has been shut down. But mm -hmm. um, before then, my favorite place um, is the Old Canal Inn. It's in Nutley, New Jersey, and it is the home to the Death Seat and the subsequent Death Seat Burger. I remember you talking about this. <laughs> I heard you on, oh, whose was it? Phil Ross. Sorry. Probably, yeah. probably Phil's. Uh, yeah, the death burgers <laughs> that got my attention. Yeah, sorry. Yes. No. So basically, the whole story behind this location is that it's, you know, a hole in the wall dive bar. And I use that with all the love in my heart, that expression. Um, but it is just a local watering hole. And it, um, you know, uh, was built in the early to mid 20th century. And um, basically how the whole bar is set up is that, you know, it, it's an L-shaped bar and there's a chair right by the front window. And that chair was considered the best in the whole place because the window was, you had the nice lighting. Um, and by the time the sun set, the bar was very, very dark. And it was hard to see. 
So people always wanted to get that one particular seat. So there were two friends, like more like frenemies, um, that would always try and fight over this chair. Well, the one day, the gentleman sitting in the chair has a heart attack and dies. So the next day, his friend claims his spot in the seat that he fought so hard for, has a heart attack and dies. Um, it's happened, I believe, four times total. Um, the most recent time was in 1986, where people sat in the death seat and had a heart attack, died right there. Um, so now it's chained off. You can't sit on it anymore, which is very smart <laughs> of the owners. Um, and um, the, the current owners, they have really marketed it, which I always love when locations do that you know so many places have like cocktails especially based off of their hauntings um which i'm not mad about i absolutely love that um but this place took it a step further and they really um cashed in on the death seat so the death seat burger is just it's a monstrosity <laughs> of food but it's so good so basically it is a bur it's a cheeseburger with um mashed potatoes on top of it jalapenos slathered in cheese and then it's beer battered and deep fried oh, oh my god yeah that so, sounds so terrible it would be amazing it and i'm like i'm <laughs> not a combination type of food girl like my meat goes over here my vegetables mm -hmm. go over there and my starches go up there they don't touch um so this was a leap of faith for me and I would like it to be known that my mom and I split one. We did not each have our own. <laughs> um, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I don't know how he came up with this. But the joke is always, you know, if you don't die of a heart attack from sitting in the death seat, you will die of a heart attack from eating the death seat burger. Um, so that yeah. hands down was so unique, so original. And it was not expensive at all. I want to say it was like $13. For this giant burger with, I mean, it had fries and coleslaw on the side. Like, it's just, it's a mountain of food. Um, such a good location. Um, great history. And it had ghost stories, too. Um, you know, like you were saying how, you know, the cooks always have the kitchen ghosts. Well, that's one of their main ghosts is that the former owner who has passed away now was also the cook and he comes bursting out of the kitchen every so often and the bartenders see them, the, the waiters see them. Um, so it's, it's haunted, but it also has that dark history. Is it cursed? This chair is actually cursed or is it just a freaky coincidence? Um, so the old canal Inn in Nutley, New Jersey, I always encourage people if you're in New York city at all, it's only like, I think like a 30 minute drive or 40 minute drive um, into Nutley totally worth it. Um, so definitely my favorite food place um, that I've been to with Spook Eats. That sounds great. <laughs> I write I that down because my sister lives in Manhattan. Oh, perfect. Like, where I'm going next time. <laughs> I think the original guy who died in the chair doesn't want to give his seat up and he's getting revenge on anybody else who sits <laughs> in it. I mean, why not That's though? Weird. That makes sense. It's a so. good theory. He was already like, you know, possessive of it. So it's his chair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Death that? to anyone who sits in his chair. No more. I touched it. I did touch it, but oh I'm fine. my goodness, you're brave. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm I, would fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have. I'm too superstitious. <laughs> like mom would have touched it. You would have poked it. Yeah, problem. Right. It's probably, she's, the one, 
these two are like the we're gonna run at the portal to hell and see what's in there and i'm the like let's not mm-hmm. <laughs> let's not and say we didn't <laughs> yeah yeah kendra and i have odd ideas of survival techniques power is a survival different definition okay? of fun <laughs> <laughs> Walk towards the dis- explosion. Why did it explode? Well, yeah. hmm. let's see if we can get it to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that always works. Uh, let's so a burger. That sounds pretty amazing. It was wonderful. It's always cocktails that are based off of the ghost stories, never the entrees. So I appreciate the old canal in. Yeah. That's pretty well, cool. If I ever get a chance to work at a super haunted place, I promise to invent an entree instead of just a cocktail for Thank the you. haunting. I mean, I'm all for the cocktails too, but definitely more entrees. That's the only one I've seen, so which is a shame. That is. Because I feel like there's things you could do like with entrees with ghosts. Like there definitely are. Like now, now my brain's going yeah, off in a weird place. Can see I'm the gears sorry. turning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm seeing pasta. I don't know why, but probably because the haunted place I worked at was Italian. Yeah, that's probably why. Right now, well, I'm thinking. Think I mean, if you've burger. got a cowboy, you've obviously got to have like a tomahawk steak. Yeah, for the haunted cowboy. Yes. Yeah, for the haunted hotel. That would be stuff cool. like that. Yep. A ribeye with chipotle yeah. and coffee. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of coffee so you don't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not hungry at all, but I'm all for this conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was not hungry. <laughs> Much like I was not sleepy. <laughs> and then somebody yawned, and now I'm like, I'm <laughs> talking about steak. So I actually have a question. What what other hacks have you found for tools for like like you were talking about how you built your own thing? Do you have other hacks that you have or other tools that you've built from scratch that are more attainable for people who don't necessarily have eight hundred bucks to drop on something? Yeah, so the cat balls are definitely the biggest thing. Um, Because motion detectors are really popular right now. Um, The other thing, aside from the portal, Spirit Radio, Mm -hmm. um, my husband, he's currently obsessed with building equipment. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's also um, made several REM pods, um, which um, for people who are unfamiliar, um, basically it's it's a gadget that has an antenna on the top and it creates a field where if you break the field, it lights up, it makes noise. And what my husband and I are big on is we want to hide the equipment. So it looks like something familiar to the ghosts. Um, so like our REM pod looks like um, a little like box, an antique box. The portal that we have is right behind, which is why I keep looking at it. Um, it's in an old radio, like an old 1920s radio. Um, cool. So we try to disguise those things. Um, but one of the biggest hacks that I tell people is when, especially if you're just starting out and you're not even sure if you want to get into the paranormal, your smartphone is the best piece of equipment that you have because it's a camera, it's a flashlight, and it's a digital recorder all in one. 
Um, so you don't even have to spend money on a recorder, which those are generally fairly cheap. I mean, there are some that sell for thousands of dollars. Um, but you know, I got mine for, I think like $20 and it works great. Um, but the best EVP I ever got was caught on my cell phone. Um, so I always tell people, especially if they're just starting out and they're not sure if they want to really invest any money in this, just use your phone. Um, it works great. You have three you know, of those big pieces of equipment, you know, digital recorder and a camera right there. Um, I don't recommend ghost hunting apps. I know those are like really popular. I don't think they're very legit personally. Um, but your phone is your best tool as is your body. Um, and cat balls. Those are the, those are the things you want to invest in, in the beginning. Get the kitty cat balls. balls. (laughs) That's my favorite. I love that. I'm, I'm so the last two episodes we've recorded, cell phones. Kiki said that a cell phone is basically a scrying mirror if it's turned yep. off because it's black and glossy. <laughs> and then, you know, it is your, your digital recorder and camera and video camera and flashlight all in one. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so take that, boomers. You say put your phone down all the time. <laughs> real for real useful for multiple purposes not just for you know the internet and your social life and your calendar and your memo pad it's also a scrying mirror and you can go ghost hunting with it that's right so long as you have cat balls with you yeah that's (laughs) a must i I still think that's genius yeah. And they work great. I've gotten great results. There's a the theater that I work at that we host our ghost hunts. Um, we have, I've spent a lot of money on equipment over the years that haven't been worth it, which is why I keep praising the cat balls because the cat balls are the number one thing that there's a child ghost there that will like set them on the stage. No one's on the stage. We're all sitting out in the audience and they'll just start lighting up. And it's like, someone is moving them right now. Why are they lighting up? Um, So it's, they like work great. And I always like things that light up because especially if you are in a dark room, you, everyone can see it lighting up. Everyone Mm -hmm. can experience that. Whereas a lot of times if, you know, there are some things that don't light up or they don't make noise. So it's hard to have everyone acknowledge it or notice it and be a part of the experience um, because that's really why people are going on these investigations is to be able to experience things for themselves to determine whether or not they believe in the paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a spiritual quest. Exactly. I always look at it as I don't do this to try to convince other people that ghosts are real because People who are staunch skeptics will, it will take a lot. It'll take a ghost coming up to their face and saying boo to make them believe. And people who Mm. already believe, I don't need to convince them of anything. They already believe. So for me, it's totally a personal journey that I am looking for answers for myself about life after death and what comes next. If in the process, I am able to share that journey with other people, cool, that's awesome. You know, I've gotten several pieces of, or of, of evidence that have shaken people to their core, um, which I always enjoy doing. Um, but it's not the point. The whole point is that I'm doing this for myself. And if, you know, other people along the way are touched, then that's just that's an added bonus for me. But it is it's a personal journey that everyone should go on um, and experience for themselves because it's absolutely fascinating. 
So are you going to tell us what shook people to the core there <sighs> since you hinted at it? So sure. So basically um, this theater that I work at, um, it's called the Ghost Light Theater in Tonawanda, New York. And I've been a member there since 2006. So a few years. Um, <laughs> and um, my whole family was members, um, including my brother, Jed, who I mentioned passed away in 2015. Um so about two years after he passed away, I was at a private hunt there with just cast and crew members. And um, while I was there, I was doing an EVP session. And I just, for whatever reason, I just thought to myself, you know, if Jed is my brother is anywhere in the universe tonight, why not here? You know, I'm here. My mom's here. All of these people who are present, Jed knows and loves so, and it's a building that he loves. So why wouldn't he be here? So I just asked during my EVP session, like, dude, are you okay? I just need to know that you're okay. That's the whole point of me doing this. And I got a response um, and it's his voice clear as day. Um, and it just says, I'm fine. And Aww. that was the coolest thing in and of itself. Fast forward to the end of the night, another woman who was on the investigation with us, she was taking pictures on her cell phone. And while she was down in the basement where I got the EVP, she snapped a photo of Jed. And it's oh, the weirdest man. thing. It's a carbon copy of a family photo that we have. Um, you can see his long brown hair. You can see his jawline. You can see the collar of his shirt and the color of the shirt that he's wearing. It is like freaky. If I didn't believe in ghosts before that, like that would have like shaken me to my core and made me believe in ghosts. So it was this really cool, like we had two amazing pieces of evidence in the exact same place on the exact same night with the exact same person. Um, so like people who are skeptics, I show them not to like rub it in their faces, but be like, hey, like, what do you think of this? And there have been a few times where they've been stunned into silence. And then I've also, I do work with bereaved siblings and parents from pediatric cancer and a lot of them, a lot of them are, do cling to their faith and they're blessed with that faith. And there are others like myself who are not so lucky and you are shaken so much that you don't know what you believe in anymore. So I've shown this photo to certain parents and certain siblings, and it's kind of given them hope that there is something else waiting for us and that some piece of their child still exists somewhere and that they can potentially see it again someday or see them again someday. Um, so I love that story. People always ask like, what's the coolest thing that's ever happened to you? And I always say like, well, do you want scary or do you want heartwarming? And they <laughs> begrudgingly say both. I know they want scary, but I always feel like that story is just so much more impactful I like the yeah because yeah. i feel like that's really what the paranormal is about i feel like most people are going into it to make that connection not trying to find like scary demons like we're all not in our tight black shirts running through buildings screaming demon <laughs> you know <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> i always I mean, like the heartwarming stories that's, that's why spiritualism started exactly you know, it's all out of love yeah and loss yeah that's that's what it was that's what it's about um yeah i'll go for heartwarming every time same Good. me too i haven't i have enough scary you know yes it's uh, it's uh, everything is in it's always scary stuff and and i think it leaves such a, a not a bad taste in people's mouths because i think 
people like it. They like being scared, but it gives the wrong impression of the paranormal. Not like I only once ever in my entire career, quote unquote, of being in the paranormal, have I ever been scared enough to like walk away. It's never been scary. It's always been like, oh, that was amazing. Oh my gosh, can you believe that? My mind is blown right now. So I think, again, if people kind of go on these journeys themselves and start investigating and researching and exploring and experimenting, they'll realize that not everything is a demon um, and not everything is scary. In fact, most things are beautiful and, and there's this beautiful connection that transcends time that you make these connections with these beings that could be from a few years ago or there could be from hundreds of years ago. Um, and I just think that's, it's the coolest thing. It blows my mind every time I let myself start thinking about it because that's a rabbit hole for another day. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be here until tomorrow night still. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you tell us where we can find you on the on the internet so on the on the interwebs so that <laughs> the listeners can can stalk you like we did? Yes. So my website is spookeats.com. Um that's S-P-O-O-K-E-A-T-S. Not spooky eats, but spook eats. It was me trying to be punny. And it didn't work. <laughs> Again, can't come up with titles. Um, and then on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, everything is just at Spookies. Um, And again, I just want to encourage anyone who is interested in submitting anything to the Feminine Macabre. If you go to spookeats.com slash Feminine Macabre, all of the submission guidelines are there, all of the boring formatting stuff and things that we're looking for, things we're not looking for, all of my attempts at being encouraging to people who are nervous. Um, so if you're interested in submitting something, I really want to encourage you to just take that chance um, because I think it's worth it. And who knows, you could be part of the Feminine Macabre Volume 3. That would be Excellent. very exciting. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to visit with us. It was great to talk with you. It was um, excellent. So much fun. You're welcome to come back anytime. Oh, thank you. Anytime. <laughs> you. Open door policy. Yay. Yep. <laughs> well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.